In order to support our show, we need the help of some great advertisers. And we want to make sure those advertisers are ones you'll actually want to hear about. But we need to learn a little bit more about you to make that possible. So would you please do me a favor? Can you go to podsurvey.com slash Jamie? That's J-A-M-I-E, podsurvey.com slash Jamie, and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better. That way we can bring on advertisers you won't want to skip. Once you've completed the quick survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. You guys, you can buy a lot of great things on Amazon for $100. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's pod, P-O-D, survey.com slash Jamie, J-A-M-I-E. Guys, thanks for your help. Go to podsurvey.com slash Jamie. Hey, friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Hey friends, my guest today is Tracy Foster. Tracy is co-founder and executive director of START, which stands for Stand Together and Rethink Technology which brings parents and community leaders together to develop digital health for raising kids with healthy screen habits. Her background in developing growth strategies for lasting social change really fueled her passion for rethinking cultural norms around technology. Tracy currently lives in Kansas City with her high school sweetheart husband and their two boys. You guys, this episode is so, so good. In fact, since I recorded with her, I've told no less than 15 people about this episode, like friends of mine. And I tell them, I can't wait to send you Tracy's episode when it comes out. And so today is the day. She has so much knowledge around this topic that was so helpful for me as a mom of four kids. I am grateful for her in sharing her wisdom with us today. Today, she talks about how to navigate digital health during COVID. That's a real thing that we're all dealing with right now. How being a safe place for your kids to talk about harmful images is helpful and practical steps to protect children from the dangers of pornography. She also dives into a three-part concept called safe, sane, and seen for helping children develop healthy digital habits. You are 100% going to want to share this with your friends. You're going to want to listen to this again, and you're going to want to take notes. If you're looking for any information that we talk about, head over to my webpage, jamieivy.com, and you can find show notes there. Friends, tonight is the night for our Read With Me live stream discussion about my newest book, UBU. You can still join. If you're listening to this in the morning on Wednesday the 18th, you can still join and get the link to join us tonight. Text Read With Me. All one word, no spaces to 33777. That's read with me, no spaces to 33777. I'll see you guys tonight who are coming and we've got some surprises for you. Don't worry. All right, friends, here's my conversation with Tracy Foster. Hey, Tracy, welcome to the happy hour. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a joy. I'm glad you're here. I don't know if you know how I found out about you. My friend, Jessica Honiger who hosts the Going Scared podcast. We're friends in real life. She lives in Austin and have known each other for a long time. And she told me about you. And she's like, you have to have this girl on your podcast. So here you are. Oh, that is so sweet. I enjoyed connecting with Jessica and continuing to. She's just the best. So I'm so glad you're here. We're going to have such a great conversation that I already told you before. It's going to be for me as much as it is for the listeners. So this is going to be like, I just walked into a free 45 minute training just for myself. And then I let the happy hour listeners listen listening as well. But Tracy, introduce yourself to the listeners. My name is Tracy Foster, and I am the co-founder and executive director of an organization called Start. 
Stand Together and Rethink Technology, which just aims to help be a secret weapon for parents so that we can give you the words to say, the encouragement, the ideas so that you can step into your family and think about how to use tech in ways that support your values and how to minimize some of the side effects that we're seeing with technology. Okay, this is so good. And we are going to talk about this with technology and parenting. But I know you have two boys, but where did this come from for you? Yeah, so my original interest in this topic actually came when I was pregnant with my oldest. I was doing a project for a very large toy company. I guarantee you anyone who has kids owns some product from this company. And they were looking at the social impact of their products. It was such an interesting project. I was a strategy consultant and we were looking at what's the effect of certain dolls' body shape on body image for young girls and how do these different developmental things that are built into toys help kids mentally, emotionally, socially, all of these super interesting things. And I was pregnant with my first kiddo and super pregnant. So as you know, you get a lot of unsolicited advice. And one of the things that came up on the project was that Disney had just bought baby Einstein for something like a half a billion dollars. And then maybe within months of when they bought it, news reports started coming out that said, hey, you know how we all thought baby Einstein made our kid a genius? Oops, it turns out that actually it like stunts language development does all these other bad things. It was like, oh, that's too bad. And so this company was really at a juncture of trying to decide, should we be pressing into what the market really is growing in terms of every toy has an app and why not just go so much more digital and have everything like that. And I was sitting with what was a little bit of an old guard of people saying, we are so intentional about how and why we make these things. There's a reason why some of the doll clothes have snaps versus zippers versus Velcro and why it is so hard sometimes to get those clothes on because it's actually good for them. Mm. And when we look at the emerging research, this isn't good. And so it came up in conversation around the boardroom. And then after one of the meetings, the head of research pulled me aside and he said, Hey, I can tell you're pregnant and I hope you're paying attention to this conversation because we're talking about how our industry is at an impasse, Mm. but really society is at an impasse. And so you know, you get a lot of unsolicited advice. That was the only unsolicited advice I got in that category. But I did think about it. And so it influenced how I raised my kids and how I have been. But then a few years ago, a friend of mine was more specifically trying to navigate the juncture to smartphone, which is Mm -hmm. such a tricky thing. And so then as we started to connect about those things, some of that background all of a sudden came alive again to say, oh yeah, let's look into this and Mm -hmm. let's start to explore. I love this. And I'm now reminiscing all the baby Einstein videos that I put my children in front of. For. But oh, well, <laughs> like, mom needs a shower. This will help you. You're going to be smarter after you watch this when you're nine months old. But your kids are fine, right? My kids I don't are think fine. It, yes. yes. So, yes. I mean, it's just so many things in our life later on. We're like, oh, whoops. And who knows? Yeah. <laughs> who knows? That's so exactly hear, yeah. right. That's exactly right. Okay. So let's dive into right now. We're recording this in September. It's airing the middle of November. But... I have a small suspicion a lot of people are going to still be doing distance learning. Mm-hmm. In my particular school district, our children had an option to go to school or continue at home learning. And we chose to send our kids to school. And we have friends who chose to keep their kids at home. And I think they're going to have that option for the rest of the year. So it's very clear that some people and a lot of people, I should say, don't have this choice. Like I know Mm, in California, they don't know when they're going to go back to school. So talk to me about how you guys are wanting to help parents as we journey into this We're now homeschooling with our kids sitting in front of a computer all day. And I'll tell you this, Tracy, I wanted my kids to go back to school because 
they literally were sitting in front of a computer from nine to four. And I've said a thousand times, I'm so glad I'm not on a school board because I don't want to have to make these decisions of what's the best thing for these kids because everything's a loss. There's no win. There's no perfect scenario here. The thing is, my kids tell me at school, they're all on their computers as well because they're doing so Mm -hmm. much on computers now. So how are you guys coming alongside parents as we journey into this unknown? Yeah, I think it is just so hard and we're doing it for so long. I mean, in March, we thought, oh, okay, great. We're going to do this for a couple months. Sure, whatever. And now it just keeps going. And so one of our biggest thoughts is we know that parents are just feeling overwhelmed. I mean, in addition to the situations you described, you have parents who are juggling work and trying to also help their kids do learning at home. I mean, there is just so much pressure on everyone, the district, the teachers, the parent, the kids. And so one of the things that we've really been thinking about is, hey, you could walk into 2020 with the same type of goals that you would go into a normal school year with of caring about all these different things, or even just in your life right now, you could try to hold yourself to the same standards of how clean your house is and how often you're showering, you know, or whatever it might be. And it's like, wait, no, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Mm -hmm. And so when we think about that related to virtual learning, we've tried to really distill, hey, parents can drive themselves crazy and their kids crazy if we feel like we have to be doing everything. And so what is a simple framework that we can come back to, to say, Hey, when I put my head on the pillow at the end of the day, can I just at least like give myself a deep breath to say, I did it today. And I was good enough. It doesn't have to be perfect. And so we started to think when we look across things, what are the things that really matter? And we landed on three things. We said, if you can help each day or during this time to help your kids stay safe online, stay sane as they're doing this, which also hopefully will help keep you sane. Yeah. And if you can help them feeling seen, which isn't like tilting the Zoom screen, but it's like relationally connected Mm, with someone. If you can do those three things, and I don't mean to make light of the fact that those three things are hard. But that is huge and they will do a great job and you are winning and your kids are going to thrive in this time. So we've been doing some interactive webinars. We actually just finished one for a school district where like 1,300 parents were joining on for these sessions. So we're realizing I think there is a lot of hunger out there and we're always open for ideas. If people want these tips in different formats, we're still learning. But we go through each of those three areas and I'm happy to elaborate on them. Yeah, I want you to elaborate them on not too much that people wouldn't like, you know, be a part of your community and learn more. But if you could just touch on those three, you know, even as a mom, I'm sitting here thinking, I'm trying to think about which one feels the hardest for me. And I think it's different every day. Like the sane was really difficult. One of my kids, and again, I have four kids and some of them, like I had my oldest son, we went to at-home learning after spring break. And literally he was like, this is my best life ever. Like I... Right. Love my life. And I have another kid that's like, I can't learn this way. Physically cannot learn this way. And then I have another kid who's like, if I don't talk to somebody, I'm going to. So everybody is so different. Walk us through safe, sane and seen a little bit about what each one of those mean. Yeah. So safe is really about thinking about how our kids, where they go on the Internet matters. So when you think about it, maybe an elementary kid, they go out on the playground And there's a monitor, there's a fence in many schools and some teachers watching what's happening. And in many ways, the internet is like this virtual playground with no monitor, with no fences, with no limitations at all. And part of that, you can find information that's super interesting and creative to your kids to help them learn all sorts of random things. But unfortunately, a lot of our kids are stumbling into some really unfortunate stuff. One specific area that we emphasize a lot is the fact that it is really hard to hear this, but the average age that kids are exposed to video-based pornography is age between age nine and 10. That's so sad. And so most of the time that happens as an accident where just like we teach them how to Google an insect species, 
And then honestly, I see with my kids, even when they're Googling and results start to pop up, like the Wikipedia page, oh, that's kind of long. Hey, is there a video about that bug? Let's Mm -hmm. watch it. And so if you think back to when you were a kid and kids would say something on the playground, or I remember when I was sitting in elementary school and like fifth grader came up and asked our table, do you, and then said this word. And we're like, I don't know. And it was so embarrassing that we didn't know what the answer was. If I was now equipped with Google, I would go straight to Google and ask that question. It's, so it's true. just natural. Yep. And kids are curious. I mean, especially and that's a like, great thing. It's a great thing. So yep. when they're also curious about their own bodies, they start to Google that. And we are just so easy to fall on either because they type whitehouse.com rather than whitehouse.gov. Or mm. if they're like trying to look up a word, we're so likely to fall on these things. And what's happening is so many kids, the Department of Defense even says right now, so many kids are falling on this because there are so few limitations in so many homes and there's just so much content available. Mm. So one of our biggest recommendations is that every family should have some type of internet filter. I can share with you Griffin as a router, Circle, which used to be by Disney, Open DNS, Clean Browsing. There are a lot of different things that you can use, but that is one of the most important things to help you sleep well at night because let me tell you, Jamie, there are really devastating things about pornography in, in so many ways. It's so devastating. We have used the circle in the past. We have covenant eyes on all of our kids' phones and computers. I mean, the sad thing is, Tracy, I've talked about kids and pornography on this show plenty of times because we need to talk about it. And some people who are like, oh, I don't think I need to tell my kids. about. I don't want them to tell them about it because then they'll know about it. I'm like, no, they're going to know about it. Two of my kids were exposed to pornography out in public with on a friend's phone. And they were so young that I heard them talking about it in the car. And of course, I was like, what? I mean, they were talking about some pretty like gross, vulgar things that they didn't understand as being pornography. And I mean, I remember I went home, Tracy, and just wept in the bedroom because it felt like I try so hard to keep my kids innocent. And all of a sudden, in a second, I was 30 feet away from them. And in a second, it was stolen. And, you know, my kids were younger than eight and nine then. And so the only saving grace in that is I don't think they remember that moment. But one of my kids was shown porn at school, you know, on another kid's device. And they have so many safeguards there. And that's the scary part, too. But I love that you're talking about keeping our kids safe. And I think it's important for parents to think through that. Because sometimes I feel like parents, they have good intentions, And they're like, oh, if we don't let them know there's porn on the internet, they won't find out. Totally. And we recommend, I don't know if you've heard of this book, Jamie, Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. Yes. It is the best because Mm -hmm. like what you're saying, and they even have a junior version that you can start to talk with kids age three to six. Because I think the hardest part is on the parent side, getting over the, this is awkward. Yes. So I say, hey, if you have a young kid, start reading the book when they're three, because it's not even going to be awkward at all. It's awkward for you, but not awkward for them at all. They're like, but great. I love talking about that (laughs) or whatever. I don't think that's in the book. Yeah. But it is so powerful if you can get ahead of it, because if you don't talk to them, someone else will be teaching them about it. And then the other thing, I don't know if you've shared about this before, there is a really devastating trend. Obviously, most kids, they just see it and then they act it out in presumably consensual ways. But did you know that the biggest age group that's growing in terms of youth committing sexual assault to other kids is aged 11 to 15. In our community, there's a sexual assault nurse examiner who we work with at Children's Mercy Hospital. So you talk about weeping. After talking with her, I wept and was like, couldn't sleep for weeks, where she basically said that starting a few years ago, I mean, at this point, it was probably maybe six years ago, she noticed that there was just this increase in young kids who were the perpetrator. And in the past, It's like 99% of the time, if a kid acts out sexual aggression, it means they themselves have had the tragedy of being abused. Right. And all of a sudden, they were having more and more kids who they couldn't find any history of them being abused. 
And they noticed that in almost all of those cases, those kids were seeing violent pornography online. And let me just tell you, that is what almost all of the pornography is online. Like you said, your kid said vulgar stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is not, it takes Playboy or Hustler or the things that we might think of as quaint, you know, Mm -hmm. like, oh, that's nothing. Yeah. So they see these scenes and then they act them out, Jamie, most of the time on their younger siblings or Mm -hmm. cousins. Mm -hmm. So getting ahead of it, starting to have that conversation, putting in filters, making it so that devices are only used in public as much as possible. And Mm -hmm. I know right now in virtual learning, a lot of kids have to use their bedroom. They're just logistical things. And I would say even there, use it in a place where the computer is set up so that if someone walks by, the door is open. And if someone walks by, they know that it can be seen because that's, that's powerful accountability. Yep. My husband compares it to, do you remember for the NCAA basketball tournament, how they always have this thing called the boss button? Uh, like a commercial or something? It's like you can stream. I guess in the beginning of the NCAA tournament, games are during the workday. And you can like stream oh, this the is game. So funny. And then push a button when your boss walks in. And then it's like, oh, look at this Excel spreadsheet or oh, look at this PowerPoint. Right. That's funny. And so, but the reason why that exists is because when people know that someone might walk by them, mm-hmm. yeah. they are more conscious about what For they sure. might, might watch. We all are. So I think that's another thing with safety. I think your point about being proactive to have a conversation and then also thinking about how you handle it on the reactive side. So no, making sure that even if you're going to have to go scream into your pillow or do whatever you do to relieve stress, if your kids come to you and tell you, hey, I saw this really creepy thing or hey, I want to show you, I just got this picture on my phone and it makes me feel really weird. And you look down and it's like your best friend's son's torso. Mm -hmm. Like I would want to chuck that phone. And as hard as it is, we encourage people to practice what we call their I'm not shocked face so that you respond back and you say, oh, that's interesting. Were you expecting to get that or tell me more? Because if you overreact, it is going to make your kids not come back and tell you. We hear from so many teens who share, I'm struggling with this, or I got addicted to this and I fell into it and I didn't tell my parent because I was afraid that they were going to freak out. So that's another element of safety of just laying that safe harbor so that they know they can come to you. And you guys, that is so difficult. It is so very difficult. I have succeeded and failed at this. And I just pray that God helps my kids remember my successes more than my failures. And I think he can do that, you know, but I'll be honest. I have failed the very first time we had to have any kind of conversations like this. I did not react well. And my sweet husband afterwards was like, you can't do that ever again. Like you're going to have to bring it down. And, and I have, you know, from then on, and you're right, you have to go into your room sometimes and cry and scream and be angry. And I'll tell you this with having older kids, even than what a lot of these conversations of like this proactive stuff on the older kids side, it is even walking through children when they say, I looked at this again, or I did this again. And you know, everything in me wants to be like, ah, you know, scream, and it prevents the next time. And I'm so grateful for my husband, I should tell them this privately, I'll say it publicly, because he's really good in this area of that not shocked face. And so yes, people practice your not shocked face. (laughs) Yes. And just think about it with that empathy. Because Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, you're right, like, you can be so frustrated. Oh, you looked at it again. Mm -hmm. But these things, I mean, they just have such powerful, so much power, so much power over you that it is really, really hard. So yeah. Okay. So that's safe. What about sane? So sane is helping you to hopefully help your kids have pretty good mental health so that you can also stay sane. And we think about it in two buckets, kind of like being present where you are in whichever part of the day you are. So during the beginning of the day, whenever it's your school time, we think about working hard. It's kind of that old adage, 
work hard, play hard, but yep. we're thinking about it as work hard, break hard. So what can you do as a parent to help make sure that they're set up for success in their study time? How can you help them not be distracted by digital things or other things during the day? So setting up a dedicated space, ideally that's not your kitchen table or whatever. That really, I think is helpful even for adults. I don't know if you found this, but as everyone's been working from home, there can be so much temptation to just always be on when that space where you work is also the space where you sleep or whatever. And so giving them the boundaries to be able to say, okay, great, this is where you're doing school. And when you're done with school, you shut the screen and you put your computer away and then you go to the rest of life. So that dedicated space is super helpful. Um, We also encourage you to try to stick to one screen in use. So that means if you are doing a Zoom call, you do not need to have your phone. Put the phone away. Don't even put it visually on the table because did you know that we are so allured by our devices that if we even see them sitting on a table, we are like regularly wondering, oh, is something going on? There's such a thing as phantom vibration syndrome. Oh my gosh. We'll be like, I think it buzzed. I think I should check it. And I know in some places it's a great thing to like mirror your device. So you might technically have more than one screen, but in general, instead of multitasking and trying to do all these things, help your kids monotask. And just focus on the one thing that they're doing as much as you can. I need that in my life, Tracy, okay? So I'm like, that's what I need is to monotask and not pick this up in the middle of this. Not this conversation, but I'm working on something like, oh, what's happening here? Oh, da, 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 da. Completely. And it's amazing. There's data that shows that when you get distracted, it takes you 20 minutes. This is Simon Sinek, the author of Start With Why Talks about this. It takes you 20 minutes to fully get back into the task that you were doing. So it's called a continuous state of partial attention. And you don't want that, but it's no. so, I don't, I mean, I do that so much during my day, mm-hmm. but you can have so much better outcomes when you're just focused. And that yeah. is one of the things that actually research is showing can be one of the biggest um, distinctions of kids who are really performing well academically mm-hmm. is if they can handle like deep work and really yeah. get in there. Yeah. Um, okay, another I thing, have a question yeah. for you real quick about all this. Yeah. When you're advising parents, Again, this is my personal counseling session. Please. When you're advising parents and saying, hey, you should just have your kids using one device. And so you're going to look at your kid and say, when you're on your computer, put your phone in the other room. And the kid's like, what? Why would I do that? You know what I mean? Do you have parents say like, okay, here's what science says. And here's what we know about our brain. And here's how this works. Do you think that works well with talking to kids like that? I think I would say in general, it's hard when parents talk to kids. It's really great when you can find someone else and then you can be like, oh, this is interesting. So I don't know if you've seen The Social Dilemma. Uh, It's on our family movie night, next movie night to watch. I highly recommend it as a family movie night. And I feel like there's enough cultural buzz that you can say, hey, this is an interesting movie. It talks about the power of persuasive design. That is the key element that it talks about. It doesn't give a lot of suggestions about what to do about it, but it highlights in such a beautiful way the challenges, including that kids are dealing with. And I think it's a really powerful way to enter into that conversation. Or sometimes I also suggest entering it. So having an outside voice is oftentimes better than a parent printing out a ream of like, here are 10 pages about it. (laughs) Yes. The other thing that we do is really encourage parents to start by leading with themselves to say, hey, like maybe we're not even talking about it yet, but we've noticed we want to make this change at dinner that night to say, man, I realized something today during my workday. I was on Zoom calls and I could not stop checking my phone. Isn't that crazy? Mm. And just kind of like lead with that and then have your kids start to say, oh yeah, me too. And then say, I think I want to change something because if we're honest, most of us have a lot of digital distraction as well. 100%, yeah. Right? And so if we can start by saying, I want to get this in check and hey, you teenager can call me out on it if you notice that 
you're talking to me and I'm fubbing you. Fubbing mm-hmm. is when you snub the person in front of you for your phone. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, and uh-huh, introduce uh-huh. a funny word like that. Yeah. But that's another thing. The other thing that we talk about, and we don't do this just in the safe, scene and scene program, but at a high level, when you think about technology is technology can do powerful things to support the vision that you have for your family or the vision that your kids have for their lives. And then it can get in the way unintentionally most of the time. So what we encourage families to do when they're thinking just broadly about how to use technology in their home is to go through a a phase of two conversations. The first conversation is just really fun. Maybe it's around a fire pit in your backyard while you roast s'mores. And you say, hey, what do you think it means to be an ivy or a foster? Like, what? who are we? Like, Mm -hmm. in a really energizing way. And it could be things like, we really care about compassion or equity. Or it could be a movie phrase like, just do the next right thing, you know, any of those types of things. And you start to collect them, you know, all ideas are good. Even if you have a young kiddo who just says, we really like pizza. Yeah. Okay, great. That's right. We like pizza. Why is that? So then you kind of celebrate that. You end the conversation there and maybe you take those values and you pin them up on your fridge. It doesn't need to be a Pinterest art print, although it can be if you want to. And over the course of the next couple of weeks, you start to acknowledge and honor and celebrate your kids when they're doing those. It's like, hey, I really loved on the soccer field. You were so supportive of this friend or whatever. Then have a follow-up conversation after that point and maybe start again by leading with vulnerability and say, hey, you want to know what? I've noticed that something that's really standing in my way of actually honoring hospitality, which is one of our family values, like we love doing this. Guess what though? It's my phone. Have you guys noticed that? And so then starting to talk about how for each of those values on the list, our phones can help us because guess what? I can create a sign-up genius to help someone who just had a baby or who is sick or is elderly. And that's a way of using technology to honor hospitality. Mm -hmm. But where is it standing in the way? And that's just a really powerful way to start with like a meta vision Mm -hmm. about what they want. And so you can even do it for kids individually. Like, hey, I know you've said that you have a goal of being on the honor roll this year. Do you feel like this is distracting you in your classes? Or you have a goal of this or that? So the more that you can try to weave it in to being supportive as opposed to it just being this separate entity that's just like a slap on the wrist. Mm -hmm. I know it's hard and it will still be a slap on the wrist. It will probably be the biggest thing. I mean, what's kind of crazy is for most of our kids, their screens are probably at risk of being the biggest thing standing in the way of themselves actually achieving the goals that they care about most in life. And if you can help them realize Mm -hmm. that, that is even more powerful because what we need to do is teach our kids how to self-regulate. Yeah, You know, technology is not like tobacco where smoking a cigarette is inherently bad and it's always better to not, right. you know, we're not going to just go cold Turkey on technology. Yeah. So, which makes it harder mm-hmm. because we actually have to teach our kids. What does it look like to make a healthy choice? Mm-hmm. And we're going to make unhealthy choices or yeah. you could compare it to food, right? Yeah. You walk into a buffet and like no one lets their kids usually just run straight up to right. the dessert table and eat all of it because right. we've learned that with food, we really have to be careful about what we put in. And then you end up with a stomach ache. Yeah. Well, I oftentimes think I end up with a digital stomach ache. Mm. I'll scroll through social media and I leave and I feel down. Yeah. Now it's harder for our kids because they have less life experience. But anyway, right. the more that you can do in that regard to make it so that it's not just, oh, mom's having the talk about phones again mm-hmm. and connect it to a bigger vision. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's I still like going to be hard, Jamie. And then but- it's still going to be hard. I know, but it, but hard things are worth doing a lot of times. 
I'm thinking about like for me personally, as like a grown woman, I love Instagram and I use it for such good for my podcast, for my blog, for my writing, all the things, but it also has, it can have a hold on you. So it's like you have to, I'm balancing that and constantly putting guardrails up on my Instagram use, putting timers, unfollowing, following because I got to protect my heart, all the things. And so we're doing it for ourselves and we can do it for our kids as well. Okay. So that was safe, sane, seen. And I want to say one thing, if I can, about unfollowing people. Please do. I think about it like Marie Kondo. Did you watch Marie Kondo on Netflix where it was like she would pick up an item? My husband wishes that I not only watched it, but actually implemented it. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Unfortunately, it doesn't work automatically. Uh But you pick up something and you say, is this giving me joy? If not, I get rid of it. And I actually encourage people to Marie Kondo their phone. So is there an app that is actually not really giving you joy, get rid of it, or even on your social media feed. And this does not mean that you are only following like Pollyanna people who think the world is great. Right. There are a lot of people who bring me joy by exposing deep inequities and issues that are going on in our society, but they do it by sharing deep, thoughtful perspective Mm -hmm. as opposed to like jabby little overly simplistic sound bites. Yep. And so we think about that is, Hey, if there are people who you're following on social media, you can mute them. You can unfollow them. That is okay. Feel free to do that. And then share with your kids about that. Hey, I was following this person. I had to stop because you know what I, and not to criticize them, but I am not baking any sourdough bread right now. Yep. And I am just just trying to get through my day and I couldn't handle seeing reminders of the fact that I should be making I've done it a thousand times and listen there's some people out there that should mute me because I don't think I bring them joy they tell me I don't bring them joy in my dm so maybe they should just unfollow me (laughs) (laughs) that's a good point that's a really good point okay the third one is seen seen is about just making sure that your kids feel like they have a sense of relational connection and I want to start by saying that a lot of times our teens today think that they find that through having, you know, a thousand likes on a Facebook post. Yes. And really what we're talking about is helping them to see, be deeply seen and deeply known. Mm. We hear so often from kids that they feel like they don't have a single person in their life who they can really count on. Mm. That things like their Twitter followers are not going to show up if their grandmother yeah. dies. Mm-hmm. So how do you find and make those friendships who are really there for you? Sherry Turkle says this great quote that says, technology offers the illusion of companionship oh, without good. the demands of friendship. Oh, that's good. Because friendship takes Say it again work. for the people in the back. <laughs> technology offers the illusion of companionship without the demands of friendship. That's so good. And so during this time, I think there are some ways where our worlds are narrowing a little Mm -hmm. bit. And, you know, it's true based on a variety of different factors, how your school is, what your local community rules are. You simply aren't gathering in huge groups. But what can you do to try to make sure that you're spurring relationships with at least a few people in a deeper way? So a few things are, one is, we do not have a stance on the exact number of screen time minutes a kid could have. That's just Oh, you're not, not going to tell mojo. us, Tracy? That's what we need. I <laughs> know. I'm what so to do. sorry. <laughs> I, yeah, I think that it would be worth a lot of money if someone could tell you the number of minutes, except it's just ridiculous. So what would really be worth it is if then all of a sudden your kids actually were just like, oh, yeah, I want to do that. But no, I mean, it's so much more complicated than that mm-hmm. because it's not just about how much, but it's about how they're using it. Yeah. So when you're a parent thinking about the fact that you want your kid to feel connected, we want to encourage you to say, hey, when you see them on their screens, pay attention to how they're using it. And we think that there are three ways that you could be using your screens to create, to connect, or to consume. And in general, if our teens or tweens or or younger kids are using their screens to create, like finding a recipe on YouTube that then they make for the family, 
wow, that's actually creating. Mm-hmm. And then it leads to connection yeah. or connecting in a deeper way. Social media scrolling does not count as connecting mm-hmm. in my mind. And I can share more about that, but doing a zoom call, you know, or doing FaceTime, something where they're actually interacting with someone mm-hmm. that is more nourishing going back to that food analogy than just consuming as much as I love binge watching dude, perfect videos or whatever yeah. your favorite thing is. So thinking about that. And then in terms of that, connecting online, we encourage people to think about opportunities that are like tennis, that are serve and repeat. So what you and I are doing right now, where you say something and I can respond to what you're saying, and then you can respond back and you hear me. What happens with a lot of asynchronous communication or where it's, you're just watching a person say something is you don't get that back and forth. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why, but a, a neurotherapist who works with us shares that there is something in our brain where when you have something that goes back and forth, it actually creates oxytocin, which you mm-hmm. also get from like breastfeeding and all sorts mm-hmm. of other good things. But so when you have that back and forth, I think you it get creates, it from sex too, by the way, you Tracy. Do. <laughs> Amy, good job. See, feel comfortable saying awkward things. I totally passed Listen, on that. I am the 100% feel comfortable with saying awkward things. I'll tell you off air the conversations I've had with my kids around the dinner table, but That's carry awesome. on, carry on. I love it. I'm cheering you on. So yes. So when you have these like serve and return type conversations, it releases oxytocin. And oxytocin acts like a Pac-Man. It actually eats up cortisol, which is the stress hormone. Mm. So in this day and age, we are all experiencing a rise, or not all, but I have to imagine almost everyone is experiencing a rise in cortisol. So the more that we can do that, it is so valuable. And it was interesting, AT&T actually shared that they knew that their bandwidth for, you know, internet and stuff was going to skyrocket during this time. But what they were not expecting was a huge surge in phone calls. And I can relate to that. I'm so zoomed out by the end of the day that sometimes I just call one of my good friends and it is so good. And it feels like vintage throwback. Mm -hmm. So anyway, so that's another thing. And the third thing I will say, final thing about helping them to be seen is to realize that the digital world is a huge part of your kids' lives. A lot of parents, and I understand why, can feel like, okay, well, now they have what they're doing on their phone. That's kind of their thing. And I don't want to invade that. And you need to be careful about the way that you enter into it. But really, if you can step into their world and say, okay, hey, what have you been doing? Oh, you made this PowerPoint presentation. Or, oh, you love Dude Perfect. Let's watch that. Let's screen that. Or, hey, you know, I know that you love playing this game, Roblox or Fortnite or whatever it is. Can I play with you sometime? Like, I would love to learn. Love so that. that's a way that you, even as a parent, can help step into their world and help them feel seen in some I of those that ways. love that so much. And a hug. Oh, and a hug. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? 
Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. I love that so much. And the thing I'm keep thinking in this conversation, Tracy, is like we're talking about how do we do this with our kids? And I can't wait to intro the show because I want to make sure people understand this is for us as well. Like these are mm-hmm. conversations that we're having with our children because we're their parents and we're here to help them. But these are conversations that apply to my own life and your own life and anybody that has a smartphone. These are things that we also have to think through. Like, are we just using it to consume? Are we creating? Are we connecting? And so I'm so grateful for that. But I do want to ask you this, and I know you're not going to give me an age or you're not going to give me a limit. You're not going to give me all the things that everybody wants you to give us. But you do talk about taking a driver's ed approach to smartphones for kids. And so right after you tell us exact age of when we should give our kids a phone, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But tell us how you help parents make this adjustment from nothing to we're going to give you an entire computer that's in your pocket. Well, I think it's exactly what you said, that to date, that is what it is. You go pretty much from nothing to having the whole world in your hands and kind of also on the way to your shoulders. And to your point about driver's ed, we compare that to a kid learning to drive. There is no child, I would imagine, no person who's listening to this, who the way that they learned to drive was they went from zero to 100. Yeah. Hey, happy birthday, Jamie. You're 16 (laughs) now. Here are some keys to a brand new car. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you know how to drive it. Go have fun, you know, come home by nine and, and be yeah. safe, right? Instead, what happens is you go through a process called ride practice drive. That's what we call it, where you start actually by sitting in the back seat, just riding as a passenger. And to your point about modeling based on what your parents are doing, the ride stage, which in driving lasts, you know, 14 or 15 years, is incredibly powerful. They are learning from you a lot of values. They ask questions when they're really young, like how many speeds do your wipers have Mm -hmm. or things like that. But I remember when both of my kids got to the point of knowing like relative numbers, they both totally called me out with things like, mom, I'm really confused. That sign, I thought you told me that was a speed limit sign, but it says 45, but your car says 55, right? And you're (laughs) like, oh, or sometimes you teach, they learn by a police officer actually pulling you over. Yeah. But so they are starting to pick up. You all of a sudden then have to have that conversation of like, oh yeah, and you know, how do you answer that? There's so many different things where they're keying off of you. And then they go into a phase with driving where they're starting to just, they're getting practice. They get their learner's permit. I remember where I was when I first went out driving with my dad. We went to the local high school parking lot and I got in the car and I was really nervous and I'm a bit of a perfectionist. And so I got in the car behind the wheel. I drove like 10 feet forward. And I mean, Jamie, not to brag, but I nailed it and I was done. I was like, okay, I did it. I put all of my adrenaline into it. I am exhausted. Like I'm not doing anything else. Right. And so that's interesting to me because that was how I felt. I didn't want to all of a sudden have to be on the freeway. Mm -hmm. So it's this incremental step. And we are in a, an era now where we have products that didn't always used to exist so that we can do that same type of process for our kids with devices. 
So we encourage that you think about how you're modeling it during that time. You know, they see, is my mom playing with Legos with me one moment and then all of a sudden gone? And let's be clear, we use devices for good reasons. Mm -hmm. And we encourage parents to narrate part of why they're doing it. I don't know if you ever had something called parents as teachers, but when I had little kids, they would come and, you know, help me learn about parenting. And I remember so much, like you're supposed to narrate. I am now unloading the dishwasher. I practiced it so annoyingly much that one time I was in the grocery store by myself and I suddenly was like, I'm getting the cereal. And I'm like, oh my gosh. But things like that with technology, when you have young kids to say, hey, I'm picking up the phone because we're going to schedule a play date with Owen. And actually it's helpful because then like 10 minutes later, your kids might follow up and say, hey, are we on for the play date with Owen? And then your face is like, oh, I forgot. That's what I was doing, right? Because you get so distracted. So you can do various things to role model. But then when they get to the stage of wanting to have some type of a communication device, because right now the average age where kids get a smartphone is age nine. And to the point that we talked about earlier about porn, like we sometimes say you should not give your kid a phone until you are open to the fact that they might be exposed to porn Mm. and ready to have that conversation. So that's a good thing. Like think to yourself, like, have we talked about pornography? And if the answer is no, don't hand them a computer in their hand. That is exactly, I love that. That's exactly. And so what we think about is so often we hear parents who give that kid a a phone at nine, and there are a lot of reasons. This is why I won't give a specific age. Right. Because if you're co-parenting or all sorts of other things, there's so many reasons why you might do it. Your kid rides a bus and they have to walk two blocks to get home and you want to be able to know where they are. Yes, I get it. Yeah. Right. And so now you know that you can give them a phone, but what's amazing is there are now other options that you can give them. If your use case is, hey, I want to make sure I know where they are. And I want to be able to reach them and have them reach me and have them reach 911. Guess what? There are other products. So we encourage you to kind of give them incremental responsibility. So you can start with, we love this walkie talkie. It's by Relay and it sinks like we have one. It is so covered in mud. I can't believe it still works, (laughs) but where it sinks to my phone. So they can basically use it just like a walkie talkie. There's no screen whatsoever. And then I can walkie talkie back with them. Okay, great. You made it to the bike park. Have fun. Yeah. And you can even do like geofences. So you can have all that information you're itching for without giving your kids anything risky. They can then move up to a watch, like the Gizmo watch, where they can actually text or call, but it's limited. You set 10 numbers. So no creep is going to be able to contact with them and they can't reach anyone Mm -hmm. else. And again, it's basically screen free. Then we encourage you to move to what we call a dumb phone, which I don't know if the company would like that, knowing that we call it that. (laughs) But there's this awesome phone by Gab Wireless, which just has all the essentials, but your kids don't get apps. And we just think it is perfect for like a middle school set. It could obviously go younger or could go older, but it gives them everything that they really need. And the best part about it is it looks nice. It has like a rose gold case. If you want the rose gold case, mm-hmm. it looks like a smartphone. Yeah. And then you can introduce the phone, you know, but ideally maybe start with limiting some different things. And really to your point earlier, like having lots of conversations. Lots of conversations. Yeah. These are hard conversations. I mean, Aaron and I have navigated this. Our oldest is 16 and our youngest is 12. And we've said a thousand times if we could do it all over again, we would have done the process you just said is what we would have done. Because the thing that for our oldest, we didn't know they needed any of that until they did. And then, you know what I mean? And so we didn't work our way up starting at nine. There there was nothing until they were 12. And so I love that you're sharing that because I have a lot of listeners who have young kids and it is a great kind of progression to move on that. And just for us as parents to say like, our kid doesn't have to have a smartphone just like everyone else does. I mean, that's been hard for us. Our daughter is 12 and mm-hmm. she just started seventh grade and she's the last of her friends to have a phone and she hated it, you know, and mm-hmm. I wish I would have talked to you last year because I would have <laughs> bought her a dummy phone is what I would have done. <laughs> 
But these are good conversations. And what I also want to encourage parents, if you're listening, you're like, I have a two-year-old. These are things you have to think about already anyways, because you're going to be making these decisions. Things are going to be different when your two-year-old is eight, nine. I mean, and here's another thing, Tracy. This is another thing that was so crazy for us is when we moved out to our new school district, my oldest was in sixth grade. My other two would have been in fourth and then second. And the very first day of school, the teacher said to us, what kind of device will your kids be bringing to school? And I was like, device to school? (laughs) We don't have devices. And so that's another thing that's difficult is so much of school, which is, again, it's awesome. It's great. They're doing all these Google Docs, all the things. It's preparing them for what's ahead. But it was difficult for our family because we didn't have devices to send our kids. Now, the school had devices for them, all the things. But Mm -hmm. that's a conversation you have to have as parents is this is difficult because the world is so online. It's so true. And I think this school point is an extra layer that is so huge. On Aside from that, on just the personal side, one thing I just want to say, it is so hard. It is so hard for the parent. It is so hard for the kids. I don't mean to minimize that in any way whatsoever. And one powerful thing that someone shared with us early on was I realized after I gave my kid a phone because she wanted it so much that I gave it to her because I didn't want her to be left out. And she has never felt so left out Mm. as she does now that she has a phone. That's scary. Yeah. That was really powerful to me because it is true. They see all of those things on social media. In some ways, actually, we talked early on in the quarantine about social distancing in some ways is not all that new for our kids. In so Mm. many ways, it really is. And it's destroying how they do sports and stuff like that. But there are a lot of situations where our kids are not interacting as much live in person and they're so removed. Did you know that our teens are the loneliest generation in history? Yep. So, but yet they're the yeah. most quote unquote connected. Exactly. Yep. yep. So I know it's really hard. I do think it's very much usually worth the fight if you can. It's so worth the fight. I heard something a couple of years ago, and you can correct me if this is wrong because you probably have heard the same thing, is that underage drinking from, you know, I was in high school in the late 90s. Underage drinking is actually down now because kids are so separated. And that is so crazy to me. So is like teenage pregnancy. Because did you know, I mean, and there are pros and cons to this, but very few teenagers are really actually dating in any meaningful way or spending that much time with the person that they care about. It's all online. Which as a mom, I'm like, okay, that's great. Listen, you guys don't even need to hang out. (laughs) You can't make babies. This is good. But yet it's really sad. It is really sad. And then it starts to loop back to that porn conversation. Yeah. Where, I mean, the number of teenage boys who are struggling with erectile dysfunction. Yep. Because they're watching porn. That's a whole conversation is you do that for so long, your body craves more and more and more. And then you turn 25 and you get married and you can't have a great active sex life because your your private parts don't work the same. And because real life. Because real life with sex with your wife does not look the same as it does on the computer. Yeah. There was a book. I can't remember who said it, who said that said that basically now real sex is basically bad porn. that's how so many people consider it. Even though these are the relationships that these people have yearned to have for all of these years. I mean, it, it starts to get really heavy and layered. We offer a program usually about once a month or every two months where we feature this documentary called Our Kids Online. It was made by some filmmakers in New Zealand, and it is my favorite of all the content that I've seen on this. My favorite way to learn about the realities of what our kids are seeing and experiencing and what the pressures are in this area in a non-visually graphic way. I don't believe that I need to see what they're seeing to understand, Mm, but I can hear about it. 
So it's explicit. You wouldn't want to like, it would be super awkward for to parents. watch with your kids. It's for parents. Okay. But you can hear about what, what is happening and then spend the last 30 minutes of it really delving into, okay, hey, there are like templates of here's how, like, here's how you could talk with your kid about yeah. this. Here's yeah. what the conversation could be. Okay. I want to ask you one more question before we go. And that is this. Yeah. I think parents might be also asking like, okay, so what if my kid sees porn or what if my daughter gets solicited to send someone nude pictures? Uh, what do we do now? Like, how do we teach our kids what to do in this situation? Well, I think it is so important to have that conversation and equip them because it, it is a when, it's not an if. These things will happen. And so with porn, my biggest suggestion is if someone sees, if a kiddo sees something to just teach them to shut the screen, walk away. You don't need to worry about Xing it out because then all of a sudden you accidentally in your frantic state hit something else on the side and it goes out of control. So your kids, hey, if you see something uncomfortable, just shut the screen, walk away, come get me and we'll talk about it. That's one of the things that I think is most helpful for porn. That's really when they have not seen it yet or they don't yeah. see it often. Once yeah. they have a problem with it, it's much harder. And then with nudes, one thing that's really interesting is we have talked with a lot of teen girls and both genders send nudes, but they share that their reason why they send nudes is not just because of social pressure, but is because they don't actually know what else to say. Mm. So it's really hard to just say no, right? That campaign did not work because you need to actually have something better than that. You say no. And then the other person's like, well, why not? Come on. <laughs> and so there have been so many creative things where we've heard, and it can be either parent, but the stories we've heard have been moms and daughters talking about like, what would you say? Like yeah. almost like just this like funny thing. So one girl we know, she took a Barbie and sent a nude Barbie, you know, and, and it, was it was like, like hilarious. Yeah. And the person like totally did back off or whatever. But then if you give them the language, that's one thing we really try to do is we help give parents language so parents can give the kids language to know how to do it to say, hey, you know what? I'm not into sending nudes because I know that it can go around or whatever, but just like explain your stance more. Someone is a lot less likely to like it gives the, the girl or the boy more confidence and it gives them something that they can then like pivot to have a separate conversation yeah. about. I think I shared with you when I was growing up, um, you know, I had a grandmother who was an alcoholic and it really seared memories in my head. And so my brother and I, while we both drink alcohol now, we were not likely to be quick underage drinkers. And I remember seeing friends who would say, hey, you want to drink? And it would be like, no. And then all of a sudden the conversation would just end. Like, or no, it wouldn't end. That, that kid would end. They'd have nothing else to say. And the person would be like, well, come on, why not? And the kid would just freeze. Like, I don't know why not. Yeah. I just know I'm supposed to say no. Yeah. And for me, seeing that when I would be like very confident and I was friends with lots of people who were doing underage drinking to say, hey, you know what? It's cool that you're doing what you're doing, which obviously right now, of course, I'm like, oh, kids, please don't underage drink. Right. But for me, here's why I've made this choice, you know? Mm. And so I have blah, 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 blah. And I think that that holds with nudes for a girl to say, hey, you know what? Maybe as a parent, you can share an anecdote. Hey, I read a story mm -hmm. about how sometimes those nudes can end up on porn sites. And as much as it would be interesting to be a porn star, don't think I want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, or, hey, I actually have heard cases where people end up getting turned down from college. Come up with something random uh -huh. that gives a justification. Yeah. And I think it's also powerful because then it reminds your kids that this isn't just this no knee jerk. Mm -hmm. Like you're explaining to them, here's why you wouldn't want to do right. some of those things. So Which I both of those perfect. things are true though. You just said like about porn sites and college and stuff. Yes. And I feel like when we're teaching our kids to have that language is when we're giving them power over that situation because then yes. they have the power to they're in control of what happens as well. Or you could do like we do. I'm like anything you put online, you have to make sure you want your grandma to see it. Yes. If you're okay with the grandma seeing it, whether that is a picture of your, your ding dong that you want to send out or it is you know language or you're making fun of someone or you're bullying someone if you can say that and show that to your grandma I think you're good 
Jamie, that is so much better than what I just said. Exactly. No, I was like mumbling it's, the words, but that is exactly it's the same right. Thing, and it, giving them the power and stuff. And it gives them a word picture. You know, it helps them really because so much of this is about regulation and you want them to build their own decision making so yeah. that it's not just, oh, no, I shouldn't do that. But wait, now it's a slightly different question. Oh, maybe like being nude on a FaceTime chat is OK. It's like, OK, no, I just have my overall criteria. I'm not going to be nude on a FaceTime chat with my grandma. Yeah. OK, good. No, there I can go. apply that here. Yep, that's exactly right. You know, I'm so thankful for this conversation. I do not shy away from these hard conversations because the truth of the matter is our children are going to grow up into adults and you know, some of them might get married, some of them might not get married, but this will have lasting effects. And I think as parents, we have a unique opportunity to walk beside our kids. And also just to encourage parents that are listening, if you're like, man, I have really screwed up. I have not done anything, Tracy said. Like there is grace and God is bigger than your mistakes. That's for sure. And God is going to take care of your kids more than you ever could. And you can start small today. Oh, Jamie, I'm so glad you said that because I could not agree with that more. It is absolutely true. You are never too far gone. Never too far gone. And if you lead in a way of empathy and openness to the point like we talked about earlier where your kids can talk with you about these hard things, hey, maybe they have gotten into something hard. They could still use help. Yeah, that's exactly right. And it might involve bringing in a therapist or other professional who really knows how to help you broker that conversation. But I agree. It is so, so worth it. Okay, Tracy, this is so, so good. And we're going to put all the ways people connect with you in our show notes. But for those of you that can't get to our show notes easily, and you're like, I need to know right now, how can people hear more from you, learn from you, stay connected to you so that you can walk alongside them as, as we go through this as parents? Yeah, our website is WeStartNow.org. And you can probably also see more about our upcoming sessions if you go to westartnow.org slash programs. Okay. So we used to do in-person, really community building sessions, and now everything's online. So we have a variety of different just ways that you can connect and learn on a few different topics within this broader umbrella of digital yeah. health. Yeah. So great. So great. I hope so many people go connect with you guys over there. I always end the show with what are you loving and what are you reading? So bring it to me. What are you loving? What are you reading? Well, I am loving the Kansas City Chiefs. I was going to ask you, are you a Royals fan too? I am very much a Royals fan. Like so deeply a Royals fan because one of my kiddos spent his entire ages four and five, which was years ago, but wearing a Royals uniform every single day head to toe. I love that so much. I love that so much. I love it so much. And now, and yeah, so like I learned so much. I knew everything about the Kansas City Royals. Well, y'all have had some good sports years, I would say, in the last five to six years. So congrats on all that. It is spoiling our kids, though. (laughs) Yeah. Because I mean... The kids, when they were at these formative ages, have the baseball team winning the World Series World and winning Series. the World Series, then yep. the football team winning the World Series. And it's like, no, you don't understand. One of these hasn't happened for 30 years. One of these hasn't happened for 50 years. Like, savor it. Yeah, this is good. This is good. I actually, listen, I love football. I think Patrick Mahomes is the cutest thing I've ever seen. And I love watching any football. But I'll never forget that Super Bowl because I was actually on a plane flying home. I had been in Rwanda. And oh. I was flying home and everybody on the plane was watching it. And a girlfriend that was with me, Jamie Nato. I don't know if you know who she is. Oh, She's yeah. a Kansas City girl. So we were all watching the game. So I have Yay. a fond memory of the Super Bowl. 
Oh my goodness. That Super Bowl like took some time off my life though. It was so stressful. <laughs> I, I can't believe how they always pull it off. Yeah. Another thing, it happens to be on my desk. Are you a Hamilton fan? Yeah, we all? love Hamilton. Yes, yes, you have yes. This book? I don't have that book. Oh my gosh, Jamie. It's called Hamilton the Revolution. It was written by Lynn Manuel and then a person named Jeremy McCarter. But it goes through it has all of the lyrics to all the songs, which is great. <gasps> Not to brag that I can fast rap guns and ships. I love it. I studied up one night after my kids went to bed so that I could just like bust it out the next day. Totally cash. But it goes through all the songs and it has annotations from Lin-Manuel. I need that. You need this. I will send this to you as a gift. Oh, you're kind. I love it so much. (laughs) Aaron and I saw it a handful of years ago and we went into it. Zero clue. We just heard about it, all the things, but no idea. And I cried through it. I loved it. And then did you guys watch it this summer with your family? Yes. Okay, we did too. It was so Multiple fun. times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We love it. Um, we love we're it. watching it again tomorrow night. Okay. Like we already voted on it for movie night. Okay, I love it. I love it. I don't know. Those are a couple things I'm loving. I'm also loving my like, you know, I definitely have on like exercise sweatpants, versions of exercise sweatpants. So I only love dressing it so from much. the waist up. I love it. Nice. I love it. Tracy, this has been so great. I'm so thankful for you, you and your work and the way that you come along parents as an encouraging voice and a supportive voice, but full of just thoughtful, insightful information about how we can be better parents. And listen, we're all in this together. We need each other. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Hey, can I just say thank you so much for covering this and for bringing light to this. And like you said, we are in this together. I think it's so prevalent that people can be so critical of other parents' decisions. And I understand because it does affect our kids. You know, if your kids go over to someone else's house, but just, I think encouragement and compassion and empathy is the way to do it. Cause we're all it. trying to navigate this. We're all trying to navigate it and we can do it better together. So thank you so yes. much. Yes. Thank you. Okay, was I lying or was I not, you guys? You loved it. You're going to share it with your friends. And listen, here's what I loved about the show so much is although Tracy talked a lot about how to help our kids have healthy digital habits, you guys, I was taking notes for myself. This is the conversation we all need to be having. Today's show was edited and mixed by the team at Podshaper, and the music was developed for the show by Matt Graham. Show notes are written by Abigail Castell, and the whole thing is organized by Lindsay Sweeney. Friends, enjoy your week. Share the show with a friend. Have a happy hour with a friend. And listen, here's what is exciting. Are you ready for this? Our next episode is one of my favorite episodes that we make all year. And it's one of our team's favorite episodes as well. And if you've been a longtime listener, you love it as well. It's our holiday gift guide episode. And friends, listen, usually we release this on Black Friday. Not this year. This year we're like, let's give people one more week of shopping to do. So it comes out this Friday. And here's what you're going to have. We're going to give you 12 gift ideas plus discount codes for those of you that listen to the show. You do not want to miss it on Friday. Listen to the show. We've got discount codes for you. And here's what we also did. We've done this before and we're doing it again. We gave you a visual to all that we talk about on Friday. So here's what you're going to want to do. Go subscribe to my YouTube channel. Go to jamieivy.com slash YouTube. You're going to want to see it, you guys. It's like I have my own talk show and you guys know that I dream of having a talk show. So I had my own little holiday gift guide talk show with my friend, Micah May. You come into my home and I show you all of the gifts that we're talking about this year for the holiday gift guide. While you're there, you're going to find clips of interviews with guests. You're going to have home and family fun stuff that we do. You're not going to want to miss everything that we're doing at YouTube and especially the holiday gift guide. 
My co-hosts, Micah May, and I, we had so much fun filming this episode for you. We even built a fire and it wasn't even cold outside. Guys, go to youtube.com slash Jamie Ivey to subscribe and never miss any videos that we publish. Plus, there just might be something super exciting happening over on that YouTube page in 2021. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I'm just saying you might want to subscribe now so you don't miss it. YouTube.com slash Jamie Ivey. You guys, what a great show. We're halfway through November. You're doing great. Remember, I gave you a lot of information today. If you need anything, go to jamieivy.com. It's all there. Love you guys. Thank you for listening to the show today. And I will see you on Friday with our holiday gift guide.